2: Dope
0: Black Podcast.
2: This is the Dope Black Dad Podcast. My name is Marvin Harrison. Today, uh, you know, it's a sunny, warm, freezing cold Thursday. Um, the reason why I say that in my apartment, it's about 35 degrees. Uh, I would like to take this top off. Um, it is that hot. Uh, but outside is seven degrees, uh, which is very humbling. Uh, and I come from a place, well, I, I spent a lot of time in a place where it probably would be another 27 degrees. So um, I'm here today. And I'm very, very excited to be joined by Aurelia and Michael How are you Aurelia?
3: Hello there, Oh, I am wonderful and excited to chat with you today
2: Oh fantastic, how, how did you actually come across us by the way? I, we are international but I'm always surprised by how people Was you, was you just on a, a invitation spree or did you, how did you come across us?
3: No, I'm always researching new podcasts. I feel like a lot of people, including myself, got into podcasts during the pandemic, Um, especially um, I'm also a bodybuilder. So I spend a lot of time doing cardio and um, some of the shows I was like running out of content. And as I mentioned with you before this, I had been to London before and I'm always looking for ways to connect with my people. So um, I listened and as we talked about, Um, I love kind of the free form and flow of it. I also love structure, but um, sometimes you miss out on some of the jewels and the gems when you're just having that candid kind of raw conversation.
2: Yeah, I agree. Like I I did say to you before that one of my favorite things to do is just to know like a sentence or two and then go and discover all the rest of it in real time. But I think it's just way more authentic. And it also just means that when we discover something, it's a genuine curiosity. And I know I want to dig in further and understand. So, If if there was a bio, um, which is slightly uncouth, but what what is the context of of your greatness? What's your skill and what's your gift?
3: My gift. I am a confidence builder. I'm a heart healer. I help people gain and sustain uh, the absolute confidence to walk into any room with an unnecessary permission to be themselves. Mm. Um, I have been put here to be placed on the highest of pedestals so that other people can step on my shoulders and go even higher. Mm. Um, And I do that through coaching, whether it be life coaching, image consulting or voiceover coaching um, and soon to be uh, posing coaching in the bodybuilding world. Um, I am here merely to be a vessel that's
2: amazing And when you talk about it, We've been joined by Marvin By the way He's late Hello there uh, <laughs> Marvin hey, are you going? from the diaspora? Are you Jamaican by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> what, what island are you from? Which is 15 minutes late <laughs> Do you know what? Let's
4: I don't know what down. happened With River right. today mm. But yeah It's going to work out for me But I'm glad I'm here Apologies for being late
2: uh, I, I'm not going to accept Your apology just yet um, So we have Aurelia Michael Here with us She is a a confidence coach um, she did actually mention some other things, which I think you caught at the end. What What's the difference in your mind? And I and I think uh, this may start some beef, but I, I'm directional. So <laughs> the the difference between you know, I'm sure therapists and coaches have like a a, a war in the Not underworld of the mind. Is it is it peaceful with a relationship when you run into a therapist? Do you, is it like? huh? And do you find therapists trying to say that? Where's your qualifications? What what or what what is what's the actual relationship like?
3: Well, you know, I'm from the Bronx. So I'm always down for some beef, but there's oh. actually no beef. <laughs> so oh. what we say a lot is that therapists focus on the past to how we got here and coaches more so focus on the here to where we want to go. So oftentimes we will unpack some of that baggage, but not as much as a therapist will. Um, it's probably a lot less reflection of like, So how did you feel that way? Why did that happen? And more so action planning. So as a coach for myself, I focus more so on identities over goals. So how you wanna identify in the world, which isn't always necessarily how you want the world to see you. It can be things that are personal to you, but from those Mm -hmm. identities. So for instance, I identify as a reader, as opposed to my goal is to read 12 books this year, because that goal doesn't, I could do all 12 books in one month, I could wait till the last second. So I think about what are some of the habits that readers have, and then I start to acquire those. So coaches more so focus on now to the future, therapists more so now to the past. Um, In terms of certification, I think, the joy I have of being a coach is that I don't really have to worry about people suing me or certain things I can say or not say. Some of my homework may be a little unorthodox. Um, there may be some cursing going on in the sessions. Like we, we, it's very real to how I grew up, to how I operate, and um, the only certification on paper that I have um, is a sixty-page book that I bought eleven years ago on coaching. Mm. Other than that, my Uh-oh. life is my credentials
2: yeah and what what are some of the unorthodox homework methods because i you know when i do therapy and they tell me this things you should try, try out this week and it's usually the things that i'm terrible at um what are some <laughs> of the kind of homework that you would give out
3: um so i do uh, usually a client on the first session for homework they'll do a three-page essay and about a book you know eight by ten size um called i am the shit because And you have to spend three pages telling me what makes you so damn amazing. And I do this exercise because, one, it is so easy for people to say the things you could write three pages about the things you don't have, the things you need to work on, the things you did wrong. But to brag about yourself, um, particularly in the black and brown community, like, the whole humility thing, we, we don't often brag about ourselves. And so I find that they'll either get stuck on the first page, they'll relate all of their greatness to how they are with others. I'm the shit because I'm a great mom, because I'm a great sister, because I built that program over there and helped those people. Or they'll talk about how wonderful they are mentally, but never mention their beauty, their exterior beauty. So it's always a fun time to see um, what clients come up with.
2: Marvin, you look like you just got a haircut. You look incredibly handsome. Has someone coached you
4: before? <laughs> um, I, I like, the way I like to see it, thank you for the compliment as well. I appreciate it. I'm just trying to keep up with you, brother. You look like, good, though. I'm all. not going to lie. Thank you. Um, I think look I see it is yeah, I think I've had coaches all throughout my life, but I've probably not identified them as coaches at the time. But there have been people that have helped me to believe in myself. And um yeah, so when I look back at my journey growing up from my adolescence to now, informally there's been people that have taken the time out to kind of pull me to one side, have a word with me and maybe they've seen that I've not been stepping into my true potential or anything like that but I doubted myself, I never even saw that in myself but they pulled me to one side gave me the kick or the encouragement that I needed and that, and that pushed me forward so yeah I definitely think I've had coach, and I wouldn't be where I am now without, without even you, you coach me all the time so um, yeah, I've definitely had a lot of a lot of coaching.
2: Who, me, I, I just I just mock the fact that you are a very handsome man. Your hair looks nice, and your voice is incredibly deep. That's usually what my go-to reference to you is. And in that, I'm celebrating you, but I'm also talking about the lack of what I don't. You have all those things I don't have. All those things. You're the antithesis of, of me. It's not fair. Um, Uh, i I think uh, and at some point already i think what i may do is that you you give us a slight coaching session just an introduction to what it is because i'd love people from here to go and seek you out and start opening to the idea of like receiving some of your services so be ready a little bit later on let's do it but i I just think like i've experienced um therapists uh as coaching counselors psychologists you know do are you aware of when or would you advise people using different ones i know you talked about the past to the future with a therapist to a coaching and religious leaders, when when would you necessarily, you know, create almost a wellness team with one of those people? Reiki. Yeah. There's lots of different spiritual ways of doing things.
3: So that's actually something I'm in the process of doing. So right now, I have three coaches underneath me. One who specifies um, in shame, in healing shame, as well as um, focusing on anti-racism, um, and she identifies that she is white, and so she helps other people recognize you know this whole thing about like you are racist white people are racist Mm. and so it's a very like touchy subject and she dives all the way in i have um coaches that focus on um procrastination and performance and i actually am bringing on a coach who's also a therapist so they'll have the opportunity to work with him as one or the other and for many of my clients they do both um i suggest let's say for instance i have a client who who has a lot of guilt, guilt built over the last, some Some of my clients are older than me. So let's say they've been built over the last 40 years and I'm only 36. Mm-hmm. Um, I will suggest them to also go to therapy because we can still keep pushing forward, but that guilt is always going to show back up. And so when I feel like it's something that someone else can do better at, so even if I have a client who Wants to get into TV film, I'm not really interested in coaching that right now. I have a TV mm. film coach. So I always send people, or I have a friend who works for Mattel who also does brand marketing. So when someone's interested mm. in recreating themselves or um, establishing their brand better, I'll send them to that person. Mm.
2: It's really, really interesting. I think um, my experience is, is that uh, I'm going to be candid coaching I like you normally have a framework that you work towards and you're right it is about how you move forward in the world um there is some of it that can coach you through how to clean your state i've seen some people coach existentialism before um which is really interesting um and then i think when they're like counselor so there was an a uh, and platform i'm not going to name them just in case uh they try to sponsor us later on no okay uh, but I, i'm not going to name them but i, I think they uh they they were at the time of the pandemic there was a lot of emails going around about this service and they were talking about how they can provide therapy online or counselling online and um you know I, I've been in therapy for eight years, but I was like it'd be nice to talk to somebody and uh it was digital first, which is the first time I'd ever done it digital first. So um I went into this session and I did one person and I realized that like their 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 advice was very much like um you can do it i felt like i was talking to an instagram sticker it was quite bizarre um and so i'm i was just like yeah these are my challenges and they were like you know what you can do it Like, yes that, that's actually what he said you can do it and he just stopped talking and i was like um okay <laughs> i okay cool
0: all right and like i
2: think the session was meant to be 30 minutes as an introduction and it was 12 minutes and i was done I was like, and I spoke for those eleven minutes by the way.
0: Right. (laughs) If someone
2: speaks for eleven minutes, he waited 30
3: seconds and then those last 30 seconds, he was like, you know what? You
0: can
2: do it. To be fair, he was right, but he that's not how I did it though. Um and then uh then I went to go see another another one on the platform. I was like, oh maybe that one just wasn't very good. And the, the guy was just distracted And I think he he, ba- he basically did the same thing In a, in a different way with different language um, And then I realised that I was talking to counsellors Which mm-hmm. is very very different mm-hmm. And so I suppose even for coaching There's an element of power In what it is that you're doing You're like teaching power Absolutely. Whereas I think counselling is I'm trying to be kind An entry level to the more therapeutic stuff That probably is needed Yeah
3: it's like you can maybe do it And then the coach says let's figure out how, how. yeah yes. like i know you can do it that's why you're yeah, here because like, you want to do it
2: how, <laughs> yeah and how, how would you identify uh, uh, someone who isn't very good what's a way to qualify a lot of people are very scared about letting people into their lives into their mind telling their secrets to how, how would you say to someone like, regardless of what the discipline is like maybe this one isn't for you what kind of things would you throw at them to, like if they identify? were interested
3: in doing something yeah, okay, like even, to- even
2: for you, I, I assume you don't work with everyone uh, and you're not suitable for everybody or do you believe your framework works for everybody?
3: Well, I think when I became a coach... I I didn't have anyone telling me to find your niche group, like work with black women, 25 to 30, who got two kids. Like I wasn't told any of that. So I started off with dancers cause I was primarily just dancing at the time. But now I have dancers, singers, actors, I have social workers, I have people older than me, younger than me, guys, girls, like I, I think part of what works is my framework is loose. So a lot of the counselors and coaches I know that are certified, they are given those kind of sheets with those blanket statements of like, yeah, I go for the gold, I believe in you, which is of course my clients know that through my passion and my energy. Um, But I really do base it around your identities, your outcome, so your identities. And then from there we create your outcome goals And then from there we create your process goals and from that it's kind of like this conversation I just flow from there the only Mm. time I've had someone that I didn't work with was because they said they said I have a question for you and I said yes and they said I feel old enough to be your mother and I said okay and what's the question she goes Um, that's the question and so she just felt like she couldn't work with me because I was younger than her so other than that um, I haven't had a client yet the only time I won't work with a client is if I feel like I have to defend my coaching and that Mm. has only have had to happen once where I had to actually let a client go um, because they said my um, program was a pyramid scheme and I was like well if a pyramid scheme lasts 10 years I must be on to something I might I might need to teach a this pyramid somewhere pyramid scheme yeah I was like I never known a pyramid scheme to go longer than 2-3 years without getting busted so
2: exactly uh, it's ambitious though if you think it's going to last 10 years yes. now, Marvin have you um, experienced any of um, these types of things have you gone to coaching or therapy or any of these things how have you found it
4: yeah I, I think I've, I've had coaching like in more like in a work context and I think sometimes it's Sometimes in my experience, it's been identifying particular skills or particular challenges and then uh, transferring that knowledge over to that instance. So for example, we had like an executive coaching session at work specifically to do with resilience um, because of the pandemic. The fact that everyone was working from home, everyone was working remotely. And yeah, we need a resilience session to kind of help everyone double down and figure out what was working for them, what wasn't working for them, finding out what some of their triggers were and how they can actually go on to achieve their best and best can, you know, work in the most effective way possible. So I found that to be quite interesting because although this was like a group coaching session. And so although we were all facing the same challenges, we all had different reactions mm. to it. And it was really good to have this executive coach kind of listen to us and say, okay, well, you know, one example and that I remember was like how eating spicy food can be really good for you. And it can really fire up those endorphins and like the dopamine and have you feeling much better. So if you ever feel down in the dumps, go and have a spice meal, for example. And for some people, that was that was their solution, that when they felt down, they needed to know what meal they were going go to go to, to bolster them then back up so they can feel that like they can be effective again. Because the way she described resilience was like a, 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 like a ball. Like, you know, you can throw it down and as hard as it's thrown down, it can bounce back up if it has what it needs. But you need to understand yourself to know whether this is gonna break you, or this is something that you can bounce on from. So yeah, I found that to be really interesting for me. I learned about what some of my triggers were. I learned about how, I think we touched on in one of the previous podcasts. I know for me, I get triggered quite easily. So if I'm very irritable, I know that I'm stressed out and I know things aren't working well for me. And maybe I need to go and practice some mindfulness or do some type of meditation, or maybe even just read a book and have some downtime to then come back in a more effective version of myself. But with that, I wouldn't have realized and I would just sort of thought, Everyone else is kind of peeing me off, and it's nothing to do with me. When actually, it was just my reaction to to the situation.
2: Oh, really, if you were.
4: But a question that I, I was going to say, a question I had as well is what, the idea I like um, that of what the service you deliver is that you're a confidence coach. Because I think a lot of people think confidence is innate and that it can't be coached. They think it's like it's a talent born with, mm-hmm. and that it's, you know if you haven't got it, you haven't got it. If you're if you're an introvert and you have no talent, then that's it. You stop there. But I like the fact that you're more describing it as a skill that can be harnessed and developed.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. um, Yeah. I think a lot of times when people see someone they identify as confident and don't see themselves as that same person, then they assume that almost like confidence looks one way. Right. So whenever I'm doing um, like a motivational speaking seminar and I talk about Um, someone's confidence is like someone's aura. So like Cardi B has a different aura from Angela Bassett, has a different um, aura from Jennifer Lewis, has a different order from Michelle Obama. Like they all exude confidence in their own way. And so my goal is to, cause everyone has a level of confidence. It's just often um, shakeable. So if I imagine confidence to be a ship, Um, how heavy your anchor is can sometimes depend on where you are. So if you're with your family and you're the one that knows the most about money and finances and travel and all that, then you have a lot of confidence when you come home because you've got stories to share. But then when you're at work and uh, you just started and you're sitting there with the CEO, all of a sudden, that confidence starts to shift. So we all have different levels. And so my goal is to help people learn to still walk in with that same amount of confidence no matter what room you're in. Um, Because a lot of the biggest words that came out of this pandemic was like the imposter syndrome thing. And to me, it's like, yeah, there's there's a good chance that you're at a table that you're not qualified for. But we're already here. If you show up to my dinner party, you've already walked in the door. You're already sitting at the table. Just show me what you brought to eat don't tell me about the things that you don't have, just tell me what you do have. And then if you see someone else's dish that you wanna learn how to make, you're at the table, what better place to learn? So yeah, definitely showing people that confidence can be learned. I grew up with parents who instilled it in me on a daily basis and I have friends who did not get that, but I recognize that to me, it's never too late for that to be instilled and it's really important to have the people around you, your, your top five, as I call them, to be people that support that confidence
2: daily. We're, we're a technically a parenting podcast. What were some of the, the things that your, your parents did for you? I, I say that because we, we never talk about things like nappies and, you know, those things. We're kind of talking about life as men in the world through the content lens of a parent. So what, what were some of the things that you were taught by your parents really early on?
3: So my parents were both retired teachers now. And so in any program or sport that I did, I was honestly not the best. When I look back, I was like, I I stayed back in some of the levels of like ice skating, cheerleading, gymnastics. But they taught me that this is about experience. Even for college, my dad said, I didn't pay for the education, I paid for your experience. When my aunt used to come visit me from DC, she put me in a Cornell University sweatshirt and we'd go to the park and someone would say, oh my gosh, you are so cute. And I always had to say, and I'm smart too. And so they always instilled in me, um, which I think sometimes depending on how much it's like, I was always kind of taught brains over beauty. Like my brain is my beauty. Um, And so growing up with parents who worked with special ed and how they saw students that weren't supported, Uh, My dad, you know, went through my essays for me. My parents rode the bus in kindergarten. They brought the cupcakes. We won all the scholastic awards like I was that kid um, that people either hated and then eventually loved because they came over to hang out with me. I was also an only child, Um, but they just always reminded me that I could literally do anything I wanted to do if I really wanted to do it.
0: That's
2: really powerful. What kind of coaching did you receive from your parents, Marvin? Um, I think I think it, that's an
4: interesting question actually. I think for me, my mum, my mum's Jamaican, came over from Jamaica quite young. A typical story of, you know, having lived in Jamaica um with her nan at the time while her mum was over here and working and her coming over. So I think with my mum, it was very informal. It was more from like the life that she had led. So the way she had lived her life, the struggles that she had overcome. I think I took a lot from that. And I always felt like I had a head start being that I was born in the UK. And so I didn't have to adapt from coming from one country to another. I felt like I had nothing to moan about, nothing to complain about because I took that strength from my mum and the journey and the challenges that she had growing up. Um, for my dad, it was very much a physical thing. My dad does martial arts. Um, he was very kind of hands-on and physical. So it was literally being in the gym, training with my dad, working out with my dad. Uh, but I think the combination of both meant that I had that determination and that willpower to, to do something, whether I, there's a move I couldn't do or with us too tired to train and I trained anyway. And um, I, I had that kind of determination. But then from mum's side, it was more the academic focus. So just because, you know, it's typically, um, they sometimes want to direct young black boys towards school because that's what you're good at. My mum was the one to tell me, but no, you're good at maths too. You're good at science too. You're good at English too. And so I was able to take that confidence that I had in one area and apply it to another area. Um, in addition to that, I had older sisters, which probably they beat the confidence into me <laughs> from time to time because that was, that was kind of like, you know, that kind of rough upbringing that you kind of go through being the only boy. I'm, I'm too big on my boots trying to fight them or trying to show off or whatever. And they have to kind of cut me down size. But as I, that built my confidence because I was able to converse with people older than me and interact in environments that was perhaps ahead of my years. But that stood me in good stead because it, it meant that I weren't uncomfortable going to enter and talk to different people and have conversations that when I came back to my friends that didn't have that type of exposure, I could then be the leader amongst them and show them how to navigate and the type of things that they'd need to do. So I think, yeah, I think for me, my coaching for my parents was one of working class family, but that was a there was a lot of nourishment in that, that I was able to take on in, in my life. And I try to do the same with my son now. And the challenge I think I have with my son is that he's not having half the struggles that I would have had growing up. But again, how can I transfer the knowledge that I have that it can be effective in his life?
2: Sorry, we seem to have had a malfunction. But Aurelia, would you say that in uh, the realms of coaching? Because I think about what I do with my son. And let's just say he says something like, you know, I'm walking along a wall and it's too high. I'm too scared to jump down. In that, I go into coaching mode as in I don't fix it and then just bring him and carry him down myself. I look him in the eye, I remind him of who he is, I tell him that it's possible, I tell him I believe in you, then he jumps and then he feels fantastic. Is that the core practical element of what it is that you're trying to do, is show people the can-do element to the challenges that they're facing? Um, And, you know, I do think it's important to identify, you talked about the book or the 11 chapters of a book that you read and that was the foundation of your coaching what what is the foundation what is the teaching and the principles that they're they're using because i think that is important for people to understand
3: absolutely so one of the first things i would do because i actually use that analogy a lot is to really discuss the power of the bricks right because we can take bricks to build walls and we can also take bricks to build bridges so recognizing the power of the bricks and what gets them to layer in the first place particularly for the clients i work with so it could be something a family member says, something a friend said, something your significant other said, a place you went to where you didn't feel as confident and we're taking those bricks and building them up this way as opposed to taking them and saying, okay, I recognize my triggers, but how can I also create my tools? So I know that if my family member, particularly for artists, you know, family members real quick to say, so what's next? That's always the question and it can suddenly make you feel like, I have to think of something grand that I've done recently. What I sometimes say is my left foot and then my right. That's about as far as I've gotten. And it makes the moment a little awkward sometimes, but sometimes people ask those kind of questions because it's almost like saying, hey, how you doing? Sometimes you don't even really mean it. It's just something you say. So having them recognize the power of the bricks. So as they're starting to build, we can start to build them forward as opposed to building them up. And the book that I refer to that I, I read like every other month is Atomic Habits. And it just talks a lot about, particularly even with confidence or like with um, self-esteem building, uh, a lot of it is focused on the close, the far and society. So the people that are closest to you, your closest friends, your family, what the community around you is doing and then what people like celebrities that you look up to and things like that are doing that your confidence building can be focused on so i have five people that i talk to every day at some capacity even if it's you know an emoji a gif or something but we are constantly surrounding each other and building each other up with the confidence so that even when things go wrong or you don't get what you want and you lose the game, as I say, I still have my cheerleaders and my victory bus drivers. And a lot of people don't have that. They have what I call um, a lot of horizontal friendships, which are people that are kind of all in the same boat. We're all about to try to climb up this mountain together, as opposed to also having vertical up friendships and vertical down friendships, which are people pulling you up Someone pulling them up, someone pulling them up and someone at the top letting you know how beautiful the view is, as well as helping people up. A lot of us just have horizontal friendships. And so it's kind of the blind leading the blind. So making sure that your the people that you're closest to are not just in the same situations with you, but are people that make you want to level up, whether that's financially, whether that's with their habits, their energy, et cetera.
2: Well, how are some of the ways that you can identify That you're in like a stuck place with your friends I think this is one of the key things So some people that have friends from um, growing up You might have friends from five years old Primary school or secondary school or from work And it's not necessarily they're built You know, and have no idea what's going to happen in 15 years time But they're still in your life They're still friends They still live around the corner or whatever You know, how do you identify that it's not working? What What would you say some of the symptoms are?
3: Oh, absolutely I actually have my kindergarten, my first grade and second grade class are all still connected. So I definitely know that feeling. I've had friends for 30 years now. Um, Where I recognize is I focus more on the friendships I wanna have versus kind of the friendships I don't. So if the five things I'm working on this year are to lose weight, um, to go to church more, to have better finances. Let's say those are my top three goals. I can still keep all my friends, but the people I want to get closest to me is someone who goes to church regularly, the church that I like, that I want to go to because I know on Sunday, boom, we're going to hang out. Someone who may also be on a fitness journey. They don't necessarily have to be in the shape they desire, but they're pushing toward that. Now I can do accountability partnering with them. Uh, every day maybe we send a DM to each other or a picture of ourselves at the gym Um, and then finances my goal this year personally is to have more conversations with people that have more money than me because it can be easy when you're talking to someone who sees five dollars as a lot of money to be like oh I'm I'm up there but I want to talk to someone who looks at my goals and they're like Oh, that's so cute. I had that goal 10 years ago. That's so nice for you. Those are the kind of conversations. So I don't necessarily push people away, but I think naturally with my ambition and my focus, if I'm focused on getting in better shape and all you want to do is head head to the club and drink and do all that, my my presence is going to annoy you. So you might actually pull yourself away from me faster than I pull myself away from you. Mm. and then just
2: in terms of like how would you break off a friendship like that so marvin obviously is very handsome and he has great hair and an amazing voice and i'm saying i've had enough i've had enough of this okay and i want to i want to i want to tell him that we need space between us how, what's a way of doing that that doesn't cause a, a bigger fracture than these two doesn't leave a stain on people because i think sometimes when you're you know you evolve to a certain part of your life and you want to make changes you how do you tell people that it's like it's not me, it's you. Without making <laughs> way.
3: Well, I don't because it is also them. <laughs> it doesn't mean it's their fault, but
0: Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due
4: to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous
0: two-year contracts,
4: they said, What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass.
1: They have buttery soft cashmere sweaters starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
3: At the end of the day, I have to worry about me and what is best for me and I think there's so much growth in conflict. I tell my clients all the time to lead, lean into confrontation if you have to. And I simply say that I'm in a place this year, shall I say this year, um, I'm on a certain path. And unfortunately this friendship is not going to be able to ride along that path. There's, there's really no easy way to say it. I think what it'll do if someone gets upset about it Or like pissed off is because you've held up a mirror to them and they're not ready to see themselves yet. Um, But if they're in a place where they can understand, because the worst thing you can do is just like slowly disappear out of someone's life and like ignore their calls and whatnot. To me, if you you may not like me after what I have to say, but you will respect the fact that I've come to you. And it doesn't mean that you're not in a good place. You're just not in the place I'm trying to be. So I don't know If there really is A nice way to say
2: it I I think there is A a really um, important thing For people to understand As a soft skill My soft skills are terrible If you ask me About business strategy um, Revenue generation I've become a clairvoyant And I'm able to Pull it out of the sky If you ask me to manage a room full of people and their feelings about things there'll be a fire and people will start throwing rocks (laughs) at my head well but i'm I'm very present to it also so Mm -hmm. i think my my understanding is just that i have to manage to I, i just people less to be completely honest that that's actually my solution because i'm just very clear that i'm very specific about where i'm going and how i like to do things and i think when i try to engage in other frequencies i would love to take people with me and show them what I call the code of what I've discovered. But it's very difficult to transfer it because I'm not qualified to do so. So really what I'm saying to them is that it's possible. That's the only thing I can really say to them is that it's possible. But my methods are built on my personality, my experiences, my challenges, my trauma, you know, but the actual goals that I have may be fundamentally different. My, you know, my class background, you know, my ethnic background, all these things play a role in how you see the world and how you choose to move forward powerfully from it. and so I, I always struggle in terms of transferring what it is that I do, because I suppose maybe I look at, make it look easy at times, um, mm-hmm. and then uh, you know, but then I think that's a real challenge. in terms of like building out, you talked about building out the circle that you want to be in, how do you even go and do that? Like you know I, was, I met Marvin by chance. he just happened to be outside a, a, an event that I was doing, and he was early, so it just meant that we got a chance to talk otherwise we would never probably be here today. How, how would you go about? proactively finding identifying places to go and find those types of people you want to be around
3: no absolutely so i mean one of the first places i started when i was looking for particular people so i got a coach i didn't have a coach for about seven years so i finally got a coach and i started to ask to be in the circles that she was around so something i'm interested in this year is property management and so when i heard someone uh in the when i saw someone in the chat on Zoom say that they were acquiring another property, I've messaged them privately and asked if I could connect with them. I'm real quick to slide in someone's DMs. I have no problem doing that. Um, I think you really have to be bold and put yourself out there, but also come with something. So why do you wanna connect? Let's say this is a vertical up friendship, I focus a lot on teaching clients to net give instead of network. I don't really care for the idea of working people into my net so that they can give me something. I really work on net Giving, What can I give to this person? So um, there's a woman that helped me. um, I invested in her. She helped me with um, a hair consultation. I saw on Instagram the other day, she liked colorful socks. I knew the address to her studio across country. I ordered her some socks on Amazon. It was just a small gesture to show gratitude. Um, And I do that all the time. I learned that from my mom. She used to have me write thank you on the back of my college applications. That sometimes you can just go on someone's page and just show some love. Like don't, a lot of people start relationships with a get. I like to start my relationships with a give. Whether that's my time, my energy, my finances, if someone has a cause. Um, but I think sometimes, too, we get caught in the, well, I don't want to I don't want them to think that I'm an opportunist or that I'm trying to like you have to give your scene partner a chance to say their lines. You don't know what mm. they're going to say. So you just have to put yourself out there. And that's where that confidence comes in, that if the person says, no, this isn't a good time, hell no, I'm not interested, that you can still move on because the purpose of the exercise is for you to put yourself out there and to find the person that does gel with you.
2: Marvin, what's, what's your tactics have been? I know obviously you maneuvered yourself close to me by helping me put the chairs out. <laughs> and ever since you've become the second most powerful man in dogs, that an <laughs> immense amount of power and wealth and success off the back of it uh how what kind of tactics have you used to navigate so I know, I know you're somebody that's been constantly proactive you've been around a few different movements you've you know you've, you've been around amazing people what has been some of your approaches
4: um completely the same I've, i'm all about getting connecting with the right people you know i don't i don't overestimate my own abilities to the to the extent where i think i need to reinvent the wheel if i see someone doing what i'd like to be doing or something that i want to find out more about then i just look to get involved with it. so i you know um as Ariella was saying, I'd, I'd reach out to them. I'd, I'd network. I'd connect to them through someone else. And I'm, I'm a doer as well. So just like what you said at your event, like I got there. I got there early. You needed help setting up. I just wanted to help setting up. Like there was, you know, it just felt natural to me. Um, and I think the other thing that I tried to avoid, and something I used to actually struggle from, was survivor's guilt. I used to really feel bad for people who have left, who I'd left behind. So if I felt like there was a pool of us, like there's ten of us from when we were younger, and we all grew up in the same circumstance. I almost felt indebted to them, like I needed to go back and save them. But then I got to the point where I thought, no, I need to just kind of be that light and go ahead and do what I need to do. Then if I can help people down the line when they want help, I'm in a better position. But if we try to all do it together and we're all struggling, we're, we're not really gonna get anywhere. So yeah, I'm not afraid to to make new friends, to make new social networks, be a stranger in a room full of new people and, and create connections and bonds that way. I think that's, that's what's tended to work for me. It can be lonely, it can be intimidating, I think you just you just have to do it you got to get stuck in and do it and, and look out for that survivor's guilt because I do think it holds a lot of us back as well
3: absolutely and I think the the flip side to that is we assume that always being there for someone is actually help right so we become our own coach and therapist and we're like well if I help this person all the time um, then that, that's a good thing and sometimes helping someone too much is enabling I used to always say people would reach out to me because my name started with an A and I was closer to the front of their phone book. Not because they actually needed my specific help, but because they knew I would say yes. And so sometimes by saying no and removing yourself is actually the thing that sparked someone to push themselves further. So I like that.
2: That's so interesting. Is I suppose there is a an ego part of you that's just like, I like being needed and I want to be helpful and I want to care. And it's one of those things that when we asked Uh, all my teams that I I manage, I ask them about identifying what their gift is. And I talk about, you know, trying to make sure that they can stand for their own self-interest. And I just ask them just to have an ask, even if it's like really performative and material, just an ask. One thing that they want to create off the back of their experience of of being here. And it could be, I want to just buy more stuff, outfits. I want to pay for my weekends. It doesn't really Mm -hmm. have to be profound. Um, And I think when you do that, you then actually go into your own motor a bit more. Because I think also a lot of the times, you know, and maybe in community work but also in employment, you kind of just look up to the person that's meant to be, you know, your your line manager or who's meant to be leading you and just mm-hmm. submit to them until you just be like, No, I don't like it or it doesn't work for me. Where I think actually you have a proactive a proactive person or a powerful person would shape the environment that they're in. And right. I think that's one of the things that has, you know, always been my thing. I shape every room I'm in. I just, you know, very rarely am I a passenger. Um that's the tone. That's what it's about. Yeah, I I I think also just because if I'm if I've been invited here, I assume you've invited me here for a reason. I'm entitled like that. Um and I also You knew what you were like, getting
3: into when you signed up for me
0: to
2: yeah. be <laughs> Yeah, like if you invite me to like a group meeting and it's like the like post George Floyd, I was on probably three different groups and work streams to change the black experience. And it was a really interesting challenge. It's obviously one that is infinite and difficult and complex. And you're sitting in these rooms And that, one of the rooms was like incredible It was like all the people from amazing places That I probably would never sit in a room with any other time But it was it was great to spend a couple of weeks with them Figuring out a few of the challenges What was beautiful about it is that You know, I'm looking at around the room thinking There are no, there's no wastage here There's no fat, there's no one here that's like Oh, who's that? Everybody was, you know, in their own right But I think also then I just like my assumption was is that well I'm just here to I'm here to add so I just spoke up and I have no idea what the con- had a contribution landed they could have looked at and looked at me and been like you know oh who's that guy why is he saying all these things or they could have been like oh actually that's a fair point but I just I I don't think I make that my business anymore and I and I just um uh I, I suppose it's a just a consequence I don't think where I even got that from I, I'm not I don't think I've, my family are particularly like that I'm the only one like this in my family who's um incredibly vocal so. I'm not sure, maybe the environment just forced it. I, th- I always speak to my therapist and it sounds like the way I was raised was just like, if I didn't speak, you just you just got squashed by society and life in general. So I think this is what's uh, been a byproduct of me. What, what kind of symptoms are you seeing post-George Floyd or post-pandemic um, in terms of the trends of how people are seeing the world or where they're getting stuck?
3: Yeah, well, I know particularly with a lot of my clients, um, there was a lot of like, how can I help, right? That was like the the biggest question for like a strong month was just like, how can I help? How can I help? Um, And I think people didn't even understand what they were trying to help. And so a lot of people thought that my business would go down in the pandemic, but I think a lot of people with everything going on either realized that they needed help, realized that the more realize that they didn't know anything, right? It's like the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. Um, And then realize that there was life bigger than their bubble. And I think even when you think back to the beginning of COVID, right? Before, when it was overseas, we were living our best life, just kind of looking like we were looking at ants under a, under a magnifying glass like oh wow look at there's something going on overseas oh one person got it here one and so in the beginning it was kind of just like living in our own little bubble and then it was almost like we thought we were indestructible until we realized how indispensable we have been to um, this disease and so I think in terms of with my clients Uh, We're really big on community. So in some of the coaching programs that I've looked up when I was thinking about getting certified because I cared about what other people thought, um, they tell you don't connect your clients to one another like therapy, like they shouldn't know about each other. But we're in an Instagram group together. We do trips together. Some of us are accountability partners, because I think what some people in the world wanted is to divide, right? To have like my black and brown clients, my non-black and brown clients, and then guys over there, ladies over there. And we recognized that we needed to create community. And so we actually did a few programs Um, where we donated money to programs that supported um, Black men. We did programs that supported to Black women like the Loveland Foundation. We've done programs with, um, we've donated to Project Chinatown. We just make sure that we do our best to heal here and when we're okay here to help heal the world. So that's been our focus. So I know people probably would have preferred me to speak out in certain ways but i knew where my power was was in community and so keeping that up years later not just in the moment it's so easy to go rally in the moment but two years later when the dust has settled three years later what are you doing now and so we we're still working to make sure that we're contributing as much as possible
2: amazing look so we have 10 minutes left it'd be great if you gave us an introductory coaching session just so that we can people see how it would go from you know Marvin's amazing power when he gets fidgety. We challenge that when he gets annoyed or hangry, yeah, yeah. I think it is called, and um, and coaching him for a little bit of that, and I allow you to freely um, identify based on how you've experienced me, what your error you think you know I I could be coached on because I'm always I always want to be better
3: awesome so when i start a session i always start with creating expectations i know people think in relationships you shouldn't come with expectations but i think there are certain standards that you should have personal standards to ensure that in the long run you know you don't look back and say man i wish i had some standards in the beginning so let's say so marvin and i were meeting and i will say okay we're write down three to five expectations you have of me during our journey together and three to five expectations you have of yourself. So based on um, you telling me about you and everything going on, some of my expectations may be um, to be um, on time. (laughs) Funny enough. (laughs) And that's one of mine, right? I've had to really work to be sitting at the table at the time, not two minutes later running to the computer so to be on time to um, see yourself as a king sometimes i'm working with princes and princesses in training to see yourself as royalty um to be ambitious to be proactive so if the homework is due don't do it the day before get it done right at the beginning Um, and then you would create yours and then from there i have a questionnaire that you filled out so you can let me know a short-term or a long-term goal that you have for this year.
2: Amazing. So what, what, what are some of the expectations you have, Marvin? What would you like to achieve um, from this experience? So my
4: expectations is I would want honesty. Um, I'd want that that accountability as well. And, you know, when people talk about the carrot and the stick, I, I like, I need the stick. I'm a person that, you know, in coaching, especially from sports and that kind of background, sometimes I need a bit of a kick to motivate me because I don't mind the praise, but I find I do respond well to, to a challenge.
2: Um, so yeah i'd like to be challenged as well you're a terrible broadcaster and podcaster i'm just
4: (laughs) i'm gonna come back there next week and i love that so when
3: so when a client usually comes to me for accountability i'll tell them off the bat my favorite question is when so no matter what goal you put before me i'm gonna say oh that's wonderful when um well i'd like to have it by this okay so what's the first three steps this this and this great when Okay, great. So I'll hear from you on Friday. I want you to send me an email to let me know that you had that conversation with that person. So when they say that honesty, I'll always tell them that's not a problem. Um, I don't like to waste people's money, but I definitely don't like to waste people's time. And I charge Equinox service because I give Equinox service. I don't charge Planet Fitness because I don't give Planet Fitness, even though I love Planet Fitness. Um, And I love, I'm a good, I call it shove with love. I don't don't mind giving that (laughs) kick because- that's just how I am and there's no point in buttering you up and just saying you can do it it's like you can do it but are you willing to? Let's get let's because you don't get what you want you get what you do so I would usually okay. take whatever you give and and give my feedback on it
2: Marvin can you just very quickly because we've got four minutes left what would you like to experience this year Marvin?
4: What would I like to experience this year? I think um, being more of my authentic self I think stepping into the full power and presence of who I am and be operating in that and right, not so being, by so, so you're right. You're one to identify
3: as authentic. So then what would be an yeah, outcome identify, goal? I'm,
4: I'm it.
3: Yeah. So an outcome yeah. goal is to walk fully in authenticity, no matter where you are. So what are three process goals that you can do to start helping you live authentic? Because being authentic isn't necessarily measurable, right? So we have to create yeah. those measuring sticks. So what are three things you can do? Where, where are there places where you're not always being authentic?
4: Mm. So I think something for me, I like. I, that's a good question. I do be the same person in every room. So I know who I am with my friends. I know who I am with my family. I know who I am at work. I know who I am in social circles. And I'd like to harmonize that more. So I know that I feel like I'm being the same person in all in all realms.
3: Yeah. Right. So what we would do is we on a Google sheet write out all the ones mm. you just said: friends, family, social. Da 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 da. What are the situations we have coming up? what have been past situations how did i handle those situations what were some of the triggers that i caught myself not being as authentic how can i be what are three ways the next time i go visit family for the holidays that i can be authentic i'm not going to uh, i'm not going to defend the work i'm doing it is work Mind your business. I'm going to (laughs) da 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 da. I'm going Uh, to da and each because what you'll find is that if you're not being authentic in one room, it, it is happening in other rooms. We're just not sure why. Oh, because I didn't have an answer to something. Or oh, because I wasn't really working on this hard enough. So we would break all those down. When are they gonna happen? How can we do this more? I probably have you go on an IG live to talk about being more authentic. So now your community is holding you accountable and we figure out different ways to make sure that we can actually create measuring sticks because every time you can check something off inside that's telling you, okay, I'm becoming more authentic. I'm becoming more authentic.
4: Sign me up, I'm, I'm down. <laughs> <laughs>
2: I feel like I feel like we should have a, a one session just for Marvin so that he can come back on here next week and see what happens because I think he's oh, he's, yeah, being, no, he's I'm, being he's being shy and modest because he's on a podcast and he's he's like <laughs> protecting himself which I think is probably a smart thing to do to be honest but I think we should rip him open and really understand what's up bring it
4: bring it so yeah, so that shove with love yeah
2: really yeah,
0: yeah, beat him yeah. with the stick. <laughs> well, look, aurelia,
2: thank you so much for for joining us. Is there, where can people find you and is there one thing you would like everyone to know um, and the most important thing about either you or what you do?
3: Yes, yeah, so you can find me at aureliamichael.com that's a u r e l i a m i c h a e l.com for my personal uh, page. My business website is aurelia michael living.com. Same names on Instagram. And then if those are they are interested in voiceover, I do voiceover. Um, I teach people how to get into voiceover. That Instagram and website is ourvoicondemand.com. And I would say for me as a coach, to me, this is a collaboration, right? I'm not sitting down to tell you what to do. I'm not going to fish for you. I'm going to help you learn how to. And my biggest, I know I'm good at what I do, not because of, when I'm sitting there doing it, but because of how I see the people transforming and not just the goals they set being accomplished. That's great, but that can happen with anyone. But they're actually living a full and authentic life, which many people are not. And we recognize day to day as we see things going on that money does not bring happiness, it brings access. So we need to make sure that we are reaching toward happiness and everlasting joy. And that's my job is to help someone do that every single day of their life so you never need to go on vacation because when I wake up every morning I am on vacation this is the life I've always wanted to live and I want everyone around me to do the same
2: fantastic that's so beautiful Marvin doing say bye you. in any particular way I don't think you can beat that so don't no, say no I'm not gonna beat say that
4: bye. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm gonna follow your your advice I'm gonna pick this up offline and I'm, gonna, I'm gonna take on the coaching so yeah watch your
3: space
2: Amazing! Well, look, thank you so much for joining us. We very much appreciate it. We thank don't really have you. Americans on our podcast very often, so I feel I like I know. I felt so... honored when
3: you responded. I was like,
2: Whoa. I know. Yeah, <laughs> shoot your I, you shot, know, right? Of, yeah, because I think for uh, for me, I think the year the year starting is a lot of time when you start to reset on things that about your life and the things like coaching, therapy, fitness, diets are all things that really really matter for the first quarter and then obviously it wears out and life kicks you in the ass and then by june you're an arsehole again but you know by mm-hmm. but for the first three months it's really important for those who want to restart their lives and, and and try and walk powerfully forward it's a really good opportunity just to hear some things that might change the way you see the world so uh, i'm glad that we could have you and i thank you so much for for joining us
4: yeah no thank you i definitely appreciate it
3: thank that. you my pleasure Dope no,
0: no black podcast